Hello and welcome back. This is the Game Pit. In case you'd forgotten, we've been away for quite some time. This is episode 153. My name's Sean and here is Ronan. Thank you. Grand introduction. <laughs> these, at least, at least we announced on Twitter, this was a planned break. Well, we took the summer off, sure. We did take the summer off. It's kind of been unplanned, planned, a bit more planned and unplanned. Extended, furloughed, <laughs> brought back twice, then went sick. So the break was slightly longer than intended, but that's all good. I haven't been playing that many games. No, but you've been off holiday making. <laughs> Make me sound bad now. I'm spreading my virus everywhere. <laughs> we went down to Cornwall for a week. We had a nice... We, we, so we had to book everything. Which yeah. made it different. Yeah, you had to yeah. plan your whole week if you wanted to do stuff. But we intentionally didn't go to many hotspots. So we were off in castles in the middle of nowhere. We climbed a big hill and we paddled up a river and we stayed away from things. But I have to say, and we were talking about this with people this week, we went a couple of times into like the seaside towns and they were busier than I have seen London this whole year. Never mind, I think even before lockdown. There were so many people down there. Well, the Cornish people were actually complaining about the amount of people that were coming in and it, going to the beaches, and they couldn't go because it was so busy. Yeah, I, I, no doubt. Like, if it, if we went to a couple of beaches, but we, we found quiet ones, which was okay. And, and if it actually a couple of times things looked too packed, we just went, we won't go on there, we'll just go and do something else. And there's plenty of room, but the streets, it was funny, we went to a, a maritime museum down there where it's, it's a local maritime museum and to go in it was literally one person every two minutes you had to pre-book mm. you had to you know all the rest of it the stuff you have to do precautions but you turn around and 10 meters away on the street <laughs> it was a sea of humanity it was like oh. yeah we went to the sea life center in the, in the middle of birmingham the center and we're there all um socially distanced in the queue all with masks on you have to wear masks all the way through it you get a temperature check going in and literally across the road is an open bar with probably 40 people sitting together, <laughs> getting, getting, getting banjaxed. That's all right. We've got a rule of six now in the UK. Unless you're in a pub, on a train, on a bus. Grouse hunting. Grouse hunting, yes. 30 people can go grouse hunting. <laughs> if ever you thought this government had their priorities right, <laughs> get 30 political. people can go grouse hunting. A thousand people can go to a football match. Yeah. As of this weekend. Mm. But... He can't be up with said, What if you've got a family of five or six and one person wants to kick over? <laughs> oh, what if you've got a family of eight? Or do you have to kick two people out? Well, seven would be the worst. <laughs> right? One has to stay. <laughs> so it's always easier for you to choose your least favourite child. <laughs> anyway, so the point of this wobbling is that we took a break over summer because everyone had been in lockdown, we'd been inside a lot, and with the nice weather and the easing of restrictions, I think everyone, including us, just wanted to get out a bit more and enjoy the weather and just go for a walk certainly we've been walking we walked a bit of the Thames path Very that nice. was an adventure and just go outside so I haven't played that many games so it didn't really seem worth trying to squeeze content out when we're not getting the games in yeah I've been playing a lot of family games but family games that, that we've been playing we've been playing before so old favourites have been hitting the table more than sort of new the cult of the new as I normally Conquer, go for. yeah we've been playing the crew over 50 plays of the crew now we're still pretty bad at it we played Manhattan the other day 1994 game I saw that I played Alien Frontiers <laughs> yeah I saw that as well do you know what I fancy playing Alien Frontiers and I saw your turret and I was like oh I've got to like my four-year itch to play a game of Radio Frontier. <laughs> there you go, four-year four year circle. It's complete. <laughs> so, 
we have got eight games to review we've been playing and we have got plans to be playing more games uh, in the near future so reviews are going to start flowing again we're also going to try something new next episode Sean yeah well newish newish we just kind of came up with it on the fly just about two minutes no ago. this is very well planned be okay sorry planned. so yeah we, oh, we've God. been planning this meticulously for three years <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to try to do a top ten is it has to be a high pitch try it is a try the top 10 from outside the top 5,000 in BGG. Well, I didn't think we were getting that specific. I thought we were just going to say we're going to try top 10s. No. And then we'll see how this idea goes. No, and then no. Well, what's happened? If we can't find one from outside the top 5,000, which I'm sure we can. There's so many games. Then we'll, we might narrow the parameters a little bit. I was just going to say we're going to start doing a few top 10 shows here and there. Because <laughs> we really like top 10 shows. And we thought people might like them from us. And we only usually do them for the year or the 10 year look back. Yeah, and I think we realise that they take a lot less preparation. That's not, I don't. What's wrong with you? (laughs) Thorough review. (laughs) I hate you. You're not going to get a thorough review here anyway. Shall we crack in? Anyway, uh, so welcome everyone back to us. Thanks for hanging on. Thanks for not deleting us off your. Because no one's commuting, so everyone's reduced the number of podcasts that they actually subscribe to. Yeah. So So our numbers are like two thirds. So we're probably talking to three people. Well, that's right. Two thirds of four <laughs> is right. <laughs> the first game we're reviewing is Project Elite, which is a twenty twenty game. Well, it's a it's an earlier game. Twenty twenty. <laughs> that's been remade in twenty twenty. It's a one to six player, sixty minute long cooperative game. It was originally from Artipia a few years ago, and Simon or Common or whoever we call them now. They have done a Kickstarter reprint of it. A very needed Kickstarter reprint oh. of it. <laughs> it's famous, famous for... We'll talk about the components in a minute, but famous for its components. So, I played the original version of it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give a quick overview, and I'm going to come back to that. <laughs> it's about an alien invasion, okay? And the aliens come at you in eight waves, uh, and they appear at three different spawn points, and there are various maps. Depending on what version you get, there are more maps if you get the Kickstarter and bonuses and all that stuff. But there are two maps in the base game you can buy off the shelf. There are different types of aliens. They either move quicker, or they can shoot you, or whatever they do. And you are, all of the players play as different soldiers, and depending on what scenario you choose, you've got different goals you've got to do. And the goals are never really that different, to be honest with you. But you have allegedly extermination or recon or whatever, send it a trap, whatever it might be. You start in a base on the map as the soldiers, and the aliens cannot enter the base. If any one alien gets in there, you've lost. Or if any of the soldiers die, you've also lost. To mix things up, there are events and there are bosses that can come out which obviously will give you different challenges. And the event deck is set according to your own challenge. It can be easier, it can be harder. And the bosses are basically, uh, there's a chance that they come out each round. And they're just bigger aliens that have various powers. The way that a round works is that the aliens will spawn. Some of them will activate, but it's not their, their main activation. Then you get to do actions. And on your turn to do actions, everyone's got a set of four action dice, apart from one character who's rubbish, never have him. And you've got two minutes to roll them and you continue re-rolling them and you're going to get various uh, faces on the dice, obviously, and they can be used to activate weapons to shoot the aliens, to move around the board, to deal with events, to deal with your objectives, or there's a red face and you must move one alien one space. Now, the problem is the aliens move down channels and if there's no space for them, they will push forward and they will push other aliens forward. And if they get to the soldiers, they will push the soldiers and they will hit them. And obviously, as you start driving from the back and as aliens activate, they can drive and push themselves down these channels. So it's kind of like a tower defense thing and you're not towers, you're movie aroundy people. 
So, that original version. I love the gameplay. It was one of my favourite games I played in whatever year it was it came out, and it's quite a few years ago now. But the minis, now everyone who listens, and if you're new, hi, I'm not that fussed by components and games. That's where one of the big things between Sean and I, Sean will bling out a, a copy of a game and he'll look particularly for components and, and nice things and fair play to him. I'm never as fast as he is. The minis were so bad in the original version, I couldn't buy it. Yeah, it was Draw Lab that made the minis, and I think it was one of their very first forays. And I quite like Draw Lab as a com- company. They make lovely coins and dice. So always the coins with them. <laughs> Haven't they become the coin people? <laughs> yeah, true. But uh, they look lovely dice trays and all sorts. And some of the games they've brought have been a decent quality recently. But I think that was one of their first forays into the minis market, and it really didn't go well. It was worse than that, wasn't it? It was. It was terrible. They just looked. They just looked like someone had melted plastic Pink and plastic, just ran, randomly <laughs> shaped it with their fingers. It was bad. Okay, so Seam One have reprinted it. What are you going to get from a Seam reprint? You're going to get nice minis. Mm-hmm. You're going to get nice production. You're going to get all the grants are going to be good, right? Correct. Sure's yeah. played this one, by the way. Yeah, recently. Well, I didn't think I was going to. So a lot of my, a lot of my points on my notes are ask Ronan this, ask Ronan that. <laughs> I don't have to anymore. <laughs> I've played it now. And yeah, it, it looks it looks the business. It looks as you would expect to see one game to look. Lovely, big, detailed miniatures, uh, well-crafted board, etc. Yeah, and it retains the gameplay. So I already told you, and I think... I mean, I've mentioned it before. I don't think we did a proper review, and it would have been years ago anyway. But... It's one that I kind of... If you were going to ask me what game do you want reprinted, I would have said this. Now, again, we talk about Kickstarters. And Sean would tend to go in for kind of higher pledges than I would on a Kickstarter. I tend to be like, I'll get the base game. Ooh. It's so rare that I'm bothered about extra things or extra maps. So it's in in this case, and I'm sorry if you haven't Kickstarted it, I, I you know you get like um, stretch goals. Yes. With a normal Kickstarter. That's all I got. I didn't pledge for anything more than that. Right. Those stretch goals... Add so much to the game. This is one of the very, very yeah. few Kickstarters I wish I had actually backed for more. Just bold it all, all in. Yeah, I mean, I don't, you never know the quality of all in. But at this stage, instead of having just the eight basic bosses, I think I've got 16 and only eight of them come out in the game. That's a big change because the bosses do really mix up how it goes. So, uh, I've got four maps instead of two and the maps really mix up how difficult it is. So I'm just I'm so just there is a, one question I do have for you, Ronan, with this. Like I know they've done the cosmetic overhaul, but just the base game without any of those sort of Kickstarter extras. Did they improve or change any of the rules, any of the mechanisms in the game at all, or did they stay true true to the original? That was yeah. a flat look. Right, so you didn't notice anything then? There's nothing glaring. I can't remember games I played too much. <laughs> no, there was nothing glaring to me. It all seemed very familiar. Um, the, the aliens behaved in the same way that I remembered. If they've, if they've been tweaked, it would be on my kin to, to know that, to be honest with you. As Ronan doesn't particularly care about the component side of things, I'm really... Not, not just I don't care about it, I really am anti-real-time games. <laughs> but this one tickled me enough seeing the reviews and hearing people talking about it that I wanted to give it a go because it had some of the theatre and that's one of my my buzzwords ding Sean Bingo Sean Bingo some of the theatre of 
some of the games that I like, like your Arkham horrors and your Eldritch horrors and stuff like that, you can see like stories evolving and you've got your tasks to try and get achieved. And it's not just about the dice. There are miniatures and you do, you can put yourself in the place of the characters. Okay, so it's more grounded. It's not as abstract. Yeah. So it's yeah. just the rolling of the dice. You can be very pressured because you're just waiting on the dice to be rolled. Yeah, that's dice right. Yeah. Fuse and stuff like that. Yeah, and and you, you've got the you've got the sort of theatre sprawling out in front of you. Um, I can see it. The theatre of war. There you go. What I'll say also about it, in terms of the real time and also the whole game, is that although the puzzle is dynamic. And what other people choose to do with the aliens and which ones they move and which aliens come out and where and the fact you can get a sudden outbreak somewhere and you have to run over and deal with it. Although I say sudden, there's never a nasty surprise. There's never a huge game-changing moment that makes you go, well, all this stuff we've done is now useless because this is completely flipped on us. As you can get in some cops that they, they seem to think are, are, are a good idea, it always evolves. And when the aliens spawn... Although it can be bad, you can go, oh, that's created a bad situation. It's never awful. It's never like, oh, it's the end of the world. This is completely turned on its head. So the, the puzzle is dynamic, but it's gradually dynamic with leaps here and there, which pulls you in unexpected directions, but never completely flips you on your head, which can feel really unfair in cops. Yeah, so I only played the one mission with you guys, and I just felt that the, that mission was very, very well balanced. I felt that... Although it felt hard and it felt like we were up against it, there was always light at the end of the tunnel. We knew what we had to do. Until. We were getting, until. Uh, we'll get to that. <laughs> we were getting closer to our to our tasks and our, our targets. And even though you were throwing those bosses in, which sort of set you back a little bit, there was always that light at the end of the tunnel, Ronan. Are all the missions that well balanced? Or do you ever feel like, I'm never going to be able to do that? Actually, we felt that it was... On the easier side. So what the setting we played on with you, Sean, was medium. There's easy, medium, and hard. Right. And we obviously started on easy on the basic map, on the basic mission, and we smashed it. And this is maybe one of the reasons why the two extra maps that we got are tougher. And one spawn point is really close to alien base, and we played on the other extra map. So it's definitely one that you've got to judge difficulty according to what your group is. So where Rachel and I are, because we've played it coming up to 10 times now, the last mission we did that we failed, we were like, well, right, we can't do this with Sean on his first mission because that was really hard and really, you know. So we just stepped it back a little bit. And there you go. We found the right level, which was cool. If You, you know, the fact that you felt like that. Mm. And I think it requires some familiarity with the system there with what you can pull up. But you're never completely in control because, just to go back to it, when and which bosses come out yeah. make a huge difference. So we had, there's one boss that costs, takes six hits to kill, which is quite difficult. Most of the aliens are one hit to kill. Mm-hmm. And then it just respawns, you know, the next, and it just yeah. And we got it out first round at the spawn point that's closest to the base of any of the four maps that we've got. You know, you're in trouble then. You know, yeah. one person just dealing with that alien. I think you have to accept that because the random of the game, which is there to keep you entertained, is sometimes just going to cripple you, and you're not going to be able. If you, if you just keep getting the same spawn point over and over again, uh, if you get the the monster, uh, the, the boss monster over and over again, instead of getting the blanks, you're gonna you're gonna lose. You're gonna yeah, lose, sure. uh, but and that actually, as you said, to, to, about creating theatre. What's the story we told you? We didn't tell you about the one four games that we won easily. The first story we came out with was this flipping <laughs> thing that keeps respawning came out last game. And it cre- does, you're right, actually. I haven't agree with you. It does create those sort of stories yeah. within a framework that doesn't spiral into lunacy. 
the last thing I'm going to put to you, and this has been way longer than I thought, I just get excited about productivity, <laughs> was the cooperative factor of it. Because it's real time, yeah. there's there's a happy place for people in terms of real time co-ops. Some people want to be left alone, like that's my task, I'm going off doing that by myself. Other people, me, would be much more like, what's that, who's that, who's talking to that, and everyone talking to each other constantly and having it really buzzing and going a bit crazy, which I understand is far too much for a lot of people, just because I like to talk a lot and listen, but mostly talk. The co-op factor of this for you during the whole planning of the of the structure and also during those two minutes, how much we're interfering with the game. I I enjoyed the whole structure when we were able to just sit and talk that time frame where we were able to talk about right what are we going to do in this mission uh right okay rachel you're you're going to go up that channel and make sure that they don't uh, surprise us or blindside us ronan you're going for one of the mission targets sean you're protecting ronan whatever whatever it was i enjoyed that bit once it started, and this just goes back to me not enjoying that uh, that aspect of real time. Well, the whole point of real time is it just becomes chaotic in my head. And me personally, I'm not listening to anybody else. I'm just concentrating on my task. I'm just not very good at real time, so therefore I don't really enjoy it. I just I kind of just go into myself. You were shouting. We lost the game last what we played. It was my and fault. You, 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 to a degree, but you also <laughs> spotted it, and you spotted it before we were lost. And me and Rachel could have done something about it. And you were just shouting, do something, do something, do something. Neither of us paid any attention to you. We just carried on doing what we had planned in that pre-planning period. And that's where I think it falls down for me. I'm not, I'm not, I'm engaged in what I'm doing. I'm not really listening to things that are changing. I'm not really spotting things that are changing on the board and I get stressed when people start sort of changing my game. <laughs> I could see you getting a little bit stressed. It was quite funny. I wasn't really <laughs> I was enjoying that. Do you know, I think this is like a, a learning point for work for me there. That you have to, I, I know that you two do your own thing. <laughs> Rachel Taran said you weren't specific enough in telling us exactly what the issue was. You were like, there's one there. It's getting, you need to deal with that one rather than actually like, Sean, this figure. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that would have helped. Like just naming a name and then we'd go, oh, what, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah learning point for us all but that's why I like it because it is challenging and yeah. there has to be a bit of communication during, so, during the tour but you're not killing each other all the time for, for me to sum up on this one and it, it, in the way that the monsters move and sort of come down and sort of swarm and they've got these very set out channels it reminds me very much of the game The Dwarves uh, but that is not a real time game but what happens is you get a set time when they do come onto the board and they explode if they if too many of them are in a, in a certain section and then slowly move towards where you don't want them to end up basically where you lose the game and I prefer that I prefer the the stop start element of that I prefer to be able to sit and talk about things and the real time of this even though I did enjoy the game it's just not for me just because it's a real time game and I'm never really going to completely enjoy a real-time game but this is as close as i think i've ever come nice i've made it clear i didn't even try and hide it it's a huge hit for me i'm very happy i think it's a very good production i don't think it's 100 smooth you're gonna get very um experiences within the game but that is part of the off the appeal for me is that i don't know what's coming next and there's no perfect answer and things might go crazy on one side of the board but you'll still have time to react as long as you're playing well so project elite huge hit for me and as big a hit as it could have been for sure yeah pretty much 
So our next game is another reprint. Uh, this one's been reprinted just because there wasn't enough made the first time in 2018. It's Smartphone Inc. Designed by Ivan Lashin and coming from Cosmodrome Games, playing one to five players. Essentially, what you are running is the CEO of a smartphone company and you're going to try and build up your network, improve your technology and outprice your competitors. So over five rounds, you're going to build your phone you're going to work out how many units that you have to sell and what price is going to be and the price is really important in this game as we'll talk about later you're going to improve the phones you're going to add new technology and you're going to push them into new markets and finally you're going to sell to those markets ronan first thing i will note about smartphone inc is that a very sleek design and very easy to learn and get into the game yes it is which almost sets you off on the wrong foot for it. <laughs> <laughs> it's all very clean looking. Yes. And when you run through each stage, each stage of the round itself is very, very simple. It is, yes. It's how they all mesh together, and more importantly, how they mesh together with what everyone else is doing mm-hmm. that creates the game. Yes. Absolutely. It's a framework for the group to explore. <laughs> so each round is broken down and they're very distinct rounds but I would say the f- opening round when you're creating phase, the opening, phase. opening phase when you're creating that sort of smartphone with your tiles and uh, what happens here is that you've got uh, two baseboards and they've all got icons on them and each of those icons r- relates to a, a subsequent phase and what icons you have showing once you reveal it to everybody else, that's going to dictate your whole round going Yeah, forward. they're two-sided. You have to overlap them in some ways. Yeah. You're, you're choosing which icons to show, both by overlapping and covering. And even when you overlap, the more you overlap, that actually gives you a bonus in a certain point. Yeah. So covering icons can be beneficial. It'll affect what price you're trying to sell at. Lowest price always goes first and everything. gets first dibs in markets, can sell more units more easily. It can affect how much, you, how much you're producing, how many, how you're going to spread out across the board. It affects everything. And that is the only thing. We say it's very easy to teach. It flows very smoothly. Mm-hmm. You have to play a couple of rounds before you can make any decisions on that, yeah, I found. Yeah. Well, That's yeah, the only know. barrier to entry of the whole game. And I know it's not even really a criticism. It's just that how that mechanism and the decisions you're making are going to mesh into how the whole thing links mm-hmm. together. In your first game, you're not going to know. Again, that's not a criticism. That's just something to be aware of. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And we, we, we did have some a lot of swearing during that phase, usually. Always. <laughs> I think the more you know the game, the more you swear during yeah, that phase. Oh, God, yeah, yeah. It's, it's so agonizing because you want everything. You really want all those icons showing, and it, it basically, if you, it's quite clever in the way that they've done those baseboards. Is if you go heavily for one thing, you're missing out on something else almost totally. So you've really got to sort of think about it and balance it. Yeah, and then you're choosing whether to be able to boost up your board by getting a thing that can put on there to add to them. Then there's a technology that will allow you to have one of those icon extra icons hanging off the edge, so you mm-hmm. get more icons showing, but you've used an icon to gain an icon. <laughs> sort of, it's like, and then. The next really important phase is that price setting because that drives what markets you can get into and what markets you can't get into and obviously how much money you're going to make for your phones. But more importantly, who goes first? It is important, <laughs> but is it more important than how much money you're going to get? Because that's how you're going to win. So having a low price means you will have the option before other people... Yeah to sell into markets that you're present in, mm-hmm. but you're getting f- less money 
for his unit. Yeah, which, you is, which is why you have to get that price point right for, for your round, and you've got to almost think, where are they going this round? <laughs> are they going to go cheap or, or expensive? Because if they're going expensive, I want to go mid at least. <laughs> I don't want to be cheap. Because I'll get free reign, but I won't make anything. Oh, I'm so bad at that decision. Oh, I, I really am. I always... You are, always... You are not. Go give me this round. Oh, come on. I'm, I miss the spread out everywhere on the board. <laughs> I want to be in every market. You don't need to be sure. You don't need to. <laughs> but do you? Or don't you? Or do you? I don't know. Because I'm good at this game. <laughs> and what we're displaying here, Owen, is, is how interactive this game is. Because you're constantly reading the other people. You're constantly looking at, right, what, what have you, how have you set up your phone? Oh, you're going for, you're going for that. I know you're going to get there before me because your price is lower. It's such an interactive game. With that interaction, everyone has to be into it. Yes. Everyone has to be. Now, the, the trick to it is it sucks you in. Mm-hmm. so it's not hard to get invested in there literally invested into it because every single phase is pulling you in and everything that someone else does affects one, at least one of the other players but you do need to all be on the ball and there are opportunities whereby markets could be opened up or made more valuable for other players yeah. by the play of someone you're like no you're in and, and it's those little edges can make a difference so it is at its best when everyone is razor sharp on each move and yeah so everyone's razor sharp everyone's at a similar level because as, as we hinted before when you when you look at the the different sections or the different phases in each one you're thinking mm, there's not too much to this game it's only when, as you said, you have that experience that you know enough to be invested and to see the points when our runners really attacking, they're going to attack this market this round. So yeah, that's when it comes into its own, when, when you're all at the same level. One thing I didn't see at first, and it's only a few plays that sort of I started realising, I didn't realise how many sort of very slight differences to the path you can take. Like so, I've tried maybe three or four myself. I've tried like staying cheap. I've tried trying going really expensive. I've tried spreading out. I've tried narrowing down, and I still haven't. Well, I'm rubbish at the game. I still haven't worked it out. But there are different paths to to explore. Very slight, subtle differences, but they are there. I don't think they're that subtle. No, no. Oh, okay. <laughs> I think there's definitely like you got you got a set of strategy. But the but the point of it is is that you're in a market. And you're looking for an area to exploit. And that's what it's all about. It's go, okay, I can go in there where no one else can go and I can get guaranteed sales. And if you can get a high price with guaranteed sales, obviously that's the way to win. Here's one thing, my one criticism of the game mm-hmm, is. Mm-hmm. So when you're trying to sell phones in a the market, there are customers who will pay a certain amount of money in, and everyone can get access to them as long as their phone is cheap enough. But there are other customers that are looking for a particular feature on the phone. Mm-hmm. There are six different technologies... And each round, people have a chance to invest in the technologies, and it gives you both a bonus power and it opens up customers to you. Yeah. But the first time someone gets that, it makes it one cheaper for everyone else. So you unlock it with your... To me, those technologies are too easy to get. And what I thought would be a nip and tuck, and oh, if I get 4G, then maybe Sean will get 4G, but the other two won't, then we're fighting over the 4G market. Mm. As soon as they're opened up, everyone can more or less pile into them. What that then does is one of the icons for that really hard decision-making process on the initial boards where you're setting up your whole turn, one of those icons you don't need anymore. 
And then the other icon that gives you the extra bonus two uh, two panels to spread out and, and to adapt your choose boards, yeah. that's of no use mm. once you get into round four, more or less. Yeah, yeah. So suddenly that's narrowing down what's actually useful to you. I think most people just go for the one that reduces the amount of pieces you have to put into the technology to get it. Yeah, that's what I said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did say that. Yeah, 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 definitely. Because it's just completely worth it. So it kind of narrows the decision space. But but at that point in the game, I guess you're less invested in that board because you're so much then worried mm. about price. I think jumping on, piggyback on what you're saying, yes, it is too easy to get into those markets. And I, I think the, the points that you get... For certainly the the six and the five ver, uh, point version technologies yeah, yeah technologies it, the, the person who gets the most of them is who got a very good chance of winning the game. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. You talk about fourteen points when you're scoring over two hundred points, but they give you an edge. So they give you an edge yeah. in three ways. To get them, they score your points. They give you a bonus power, and they open up markets. Mm. So they're a no brainer to go for. Yeah, and it's the only thing in the whole game that I say that is not as cool as yeah. I want it to be. That's all I can say, cool. Right, okay. Um, would you like to sum up on Smartphone Inc.? Smartphone Inc., I'm going to be honest with you, it was a hard sell for me <laughs> from anyone because it, it looks fairly dull. I find the whole idea dull. And whenever you describe it to anyone saying, well, you're making your phone and you're doing different technologies and you open up a market and you're trying to sell, and it really sounds unappealing. But in the end, it was excellent it was interactive it was challenging you're reacting to what everyone else does i cannot find the right answer <laughs> i always seem to choose right i go too low or too high and but i'm really enjoying trying to get better at it so smartphone inc is a very good game i'm pretty much gonna mirror exactly what you said i didn't particularly fancy it ronan based on the looks of it it did look almost too streamlined uh, i think it's the dude with the beard on the front as well he looks a bit yeah he looks a bit hipsterish yeah, yeah, yeah. needs a bit of a slap jesus <laughs> ain't got that far not all hipsters just him um <laughs> and he he I'm, I'm, I'm judging him now he's a he's a lovely bloke it turned out <laughs> met him he's fine yeah, and the game isn't that at all. It is a really highly interactive experience. You'll groan, you'll you'll moan. swear, you'll moan, you'll swear you'll at each loan. other. <laughs> you'll loan. Become a crone. Well, sometimes. Begin to drone. <laughs> Which I'm doing now. <laughs> yeah, smartphone game, get it. It's a very, very good game and comes recommended by both of us. Oh, that's two good games to start with. Mm. Surely this must be a clean slate of amazing games. <laughs> I don't I can't remember what you think about this one. I never told you, that's why. Fast Sloths. 2019 game designed by Freedom and Freezer from Stronghold Games and of course 2F that's Freedom and Freezer's own business a 2 to 5 player 45 minute game about sloths moving around a board you are a sloth and you have got leaves and there are leaves at fixed points around a board which is broken into areas of different terrains with paths and forests and a river and all sorts of different things however Sean sloths don't move they do not well well, not very slow, like me on the wing of rugby. Very <laughs> slowly, with a charming smile on their face. Have you ever seen the film Zootopia? Yes. The DMV. Where he starts laughing. I didn't know where you were going there. I forgot about him. <laughs> okay. So sloths don't move by themselves. But there are 12 animals in the game and you're going to be playing with a mixture of six of them. And they are tokens which are variously around the board and they can move. 
And each of the different 12 types of animals have got different movement rules of what terrain they can go on, how fast they move, what you need to do them. And on a player's turn, they're going to get to draw cards from these piles. Now, they're ordered numerically in, by animal type. And then you're going to be able to play cards all of one type and then move those animal tokens off that type. For example, if I play a load of ant cards, I'll be able to move various ant cards around. The trick to it is... As my ants go past my sloth, my sloth can jump onto them. Now, how do they jump onto ants? Let's, not, let's go for a bigger one. Should we go for a bigger one? Okay. <laughs> there are an elephant. There's an elephant. There's definitely an elephant. elephant hosses you. <laughs> yeah, he does. Yeah, an elephant finishes moving and then throws you three spaces. Or you've got like the eagle that flies and then can carry six places and go over mountains. Most mm. of them can't go over mountains mm. and things like that. So there's various rules and restrictions of what they do. And your sloth will latch onto them. And then by moving the other animal tokens around, you're looking to deposit your sloth into these various points where your leaves are. When you've collected six out of the seven, you have won the game. Okay, it's a race for leaves, Sean. Yeah. It has the presentation, the theme, and the appearance for widespread appeal. People like sloths, and I think people automatically like it when you get this game out and go, you're a sloth. I hadn't thought of that before, but yeah, do people like sloths? I suppose they do. They're quite cute. Take against the sloth. <laughs> what have they done to you? Well, you've you've upset me That's all my the life. First hint of anti-sloth I've ever heard in my life. Just because you're part sloth, <laughs> as well as having a quite a bright, cheerful presentation, cartoony look to the game. It also got a lot of big buzz when it was released, especially in you our like circles. Big buzz, don't big you? buzz, yeah. In you our circles, <laughs> I like big buzz. Yeah, thanks for just chaining my joke there. <laughs> yeah, even coming out of Aircon last year or this year, rather. Yeah, people were talking about it in very positive terms, and I was very excited to try it once I knew you had it. Oh, you're building up to something here. Am I? Am I? Um, I don't know. I don't. Know. <laughs> so I'm disagreeing with you. Yeah, I, I presume was, you played it. I was. Yes, we have played it three times. Oh. Okay. Okay. If you have, if you get little pauses every now and again, it's when I'm doing me little leg rubbing. They don't want to know about your leg rubbing. Of course they do. Everyone wants to know about my leg rubbing. I, I, I tend to rub my leg when I'm talking and it turns up on the microphone and Rona gets very irritated. When you see the same reason, I can beat him rather than having to edit it all out when he's, when he's 200 miles away. So it's better he's here, but there might be violence. Okay. I, I'm kind of waiting for you to give me a hook there. But okay, so, okay here's, here's the hook. Okay, so... Oh, it's I, a slow hook. I'm just going to jump in. So, <laughs> so when I read the rule book... And I realise all the animals do different things and they all kind of match up to what the animals are, like the elephant hosses you, the ants, there's loads of them and they kind of carry you. The eagle obviously flies, what have you. The humans go down paths and they stay on the path, but they're quicker for it. I thought, oh, that sounds really cool. So, yeah, you've got to kind of prioritise your, your animal and kind of work against the other players. And when I started playing, Ronan, those decisions faded quite badly for me they weren't as interesting as they appeared on the rule book the animals actions very 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 quickly became repetitive and uh, yeah I, I, they weren't as exciting you went sort of watching they weren't exciting like you're actually I fretted over the moon <laughs> you've had an attack again I have to lie you down the way it was sold to me was that people will steal your animals away and you'll be trying to jump on and they'll move by and 
and there'll be a lot of interaction. We've played only four player, right? Which is, you know, one off the maximum. Big map. <laughs> I didn't know what you were doing with your hands is. <laughs> I mean, now and then, you can do a little stitchy up move. Mm-hmm. But the interaction between players is only that, that now and then it's quite funny to do a little stitchy up move and just move one, one away from someone. <laughs> but you're care. using one of your moves to move, let's say, right, okay, that person's got that ant lined up for their So game. I slow Ellie so, yeah. and Caitlin and Rachel are ahead. Yeah, and Ellie goes in her next go, just moves the ant back again to where it was. <laughs> yeah. So both you and Ellie are both completely slowed down. That's and right. the other two players are like, well, you two can carry on messing around. You are so, correct. Where the interaction was that I thought, mm. well, there was interesting, it wasn't necessarily on the board, apart from occasionally, was in the set collection and the card drawing, where because it went from, like, say, one to five, and then it will loop around, because when yeah. you use cards, they go to the bottom again in numerical order. You can be like, well, that's the five. If I take the five, that leaves Sean with a one to take. And I know he's building up to use the elephant because he likes getting hossed around. One of the few beasts that are bigger than him. (laughs) So that and the set collection and choosing what to scar because your hand size is very limited. And the number that you draw becomes very limited because the better you do, the more your hand size and drawing limit becomes restricted and you have to throw away more cards. And it comes down to you're very, very tight. That was where I found most of the interaction it's, can't say it was that it, I was about to say it's, it's better than the onboard interaction it's still not carrying the game though is it it's still not elephant <laughs> in that game and hosting it <laughs> wow okay what I will say to you though Sean and I used to be kind of more into the book scene right mm-hmm. and we go to booky things and, and we meet authors and do stuff like that and we still we've got lots of friends from there and we go along to the old book thing now yeah we were in the privileged opportunity to be able to meet some authors and spend time with them and, and chill out and have fun. And we got to know one fellow and go on the piss him a couple of times. And then his books came out and I started reading them. And it took me three goes to be able to read his books because I could only hear his voice when I was reading them. So I could hear the author's voice, right? And it was very off-putting because right. things would be written the way he spoke or there'd be humour in there that was his humour. And it was hard to break through. Okay. What I'm finding with freedom now, I'm not friends with freedom and freeze. It's difficult to get close to, but for many reasons. But I'm starting to really see the author's voice in his designs, and most where this came through is in the hand drawing restrictions, whereby it changes from you can hold three, you can hold four, you can hold five, you've got to throw two away, you can draw two, you can draw one, and you're being funneled. The more you do, he's funneling you in a particular direction. To prevent a runaway leader, I presume, because once you get ahead, mm. in fact, once you get ahead anyways, no one can really catch you, you know, unless everyone else gangs up and tries to screw you over, yeah. which I'm guessing is possible, but it would be really mean in this weight and level and presentation mm. of a game. I can see that he's trying to manipulate and I can feel him pulling the strings on me as I play. And I do feel that a lot in his games. And here, at those restrictions, I found really didn't fit the feel and the theme of the game. Yeah, I haven't played as many of the Freedom and Freeset games as you have. I think I've played Power Grid and Forest... Is it Forest Fruits? Fable Fruits. Fable Fruits. You've That's, played more than that. I, know I, I probably have, but I, I certainly haven't played any of the Fleave, Fort, any of those recent ones. Finished. What was the other one? That, that Space Invaders one that I liked as well. Anyway, I've anyway we, we digress. Carry on. We digress. The whole game didn't really come together as a, as a cohesive unit for me, Roland. I felt that it also went on too long. I, I, I think that's the ha- that's the hand restriction thing. 
Maybe, yeah. yeah well, you're getting yeah, forced yeah, to throw yeah, away yeah. you've only got one animal left. Yeah. Rather than being like a canal plan, you're having to go one animal at a time. Yeah. And that's why I found it irritating. I was like, look, if Sean's ahead, in this quick game, just let him win. Yeah. Rather than draw it out and draw it out and draw it out, and then he wins anyway. <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm saying, where he's interfering too much yeah. in the flow of what's well, this going is on. It. As well, I said, the game is too long, and it's quite a distance before the end. You realise, well, Rachel's two ahead now. She's pretty much going to win. We're not, we're not going to catch her, as you said, unless we all gang up on her. So, yeah, it just went on way past its sort of comfortable time for me. Go on then. Some of, I feel like you're way more negative than I am on the game. Uh, I've given you know what? James loved it. James really liked it. I was down for just playing this once. Yeah, yeah. I didn't like it after the first play. James requested it another two times. Um, to the point where I've hidden it now. Jesus, <laughs> you've hidden it's my gone, game. It's yeah, my yeah, Father's Day present. It's gone back to Ronan's. <laughs> <laughs> I keep meaning to bring it back to you. Throw it. At you. Um, no, it's not that bad. It, it, I was just very underwhelmed, and I was disappointed. Probably because it was of, built up too much. Yeah, it was probably because. Like and we talk about Dan a lot because he is a good friend of ours. Dan loves this game. Dan Hughes. He's no good friend of mine. <laughs> he absolutely loves this game, and he was he was raving about it on on Spradically Board. And I think Matthew likes it. Mike Delicio loves it. And they they're the people that have come. We talk to about games, and Luke Who loves it. Name dropping. Look at this. <laughs> but they are they're the people that we talk to about games, and they all liked it as a unit. And like normally, there's one or two dissenting voices, but everyone loved this. So I, I was almost sure I'd like it, and then I was very disappointed to find out that it was just bored. Bored throughout. No, I think you're being too hard on it. Maybe. I think you might have built it up too high. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Were you tired when you played it and a little bit hungry? <laughs> no, I wasn't. Are you sure? Enough. <laughs> Weirdly enough. I, th- I wrote down it's good. Yeah. Because it is quick. It's not quick. Oh, it is quick. How long did it take you to play? Well, I don't know. Probably 50 minutes. That's quick. That's, you're not for this. No. <laughs> <You're doing anything. laughs> okay, so it's about 50 minutes long. I can spare 50 minutes of my life. <laughs> and the initial planning and looking at what other people are doing and the working things out and building up your hand when you've got the ability to build up your hand was quite fun. And then I'm like, okay, this has a pattern to it. It's not very Ooh. cutthroat. We're going to run it through. I think it would suit younger kids more than my kids who are now, well, not really kids anymore, like James's age and what have you. So, and the appeal and the, and the show of it, I can't understand how it's been a big hit amongst adults. That is for sure. My main issue with it is, is that the second half is much duller than the first half. Mm. True, true. Because the pattern set, you know what you're trying to do, and the only thing stopping you doing it may be a little bit of interaction, but mostly is the fact that the game says you can't pick up cards and you can't do this and you can't do that. And I'm like, well, you've made a race game that you've made slower at the end than it is at the beginning, and that is poor pacing. And while it might be good mathematical design, it's poor experience design. And that's where I think the problem with it lies for me. And when I finally get back from Sean and he takes it out of whatever <laughs> hole he's buried it in, I am going to try and play it again, easing those restrictions to see if there's more of a speed to the end and people can do... Because people can't do unexpected moves. Mm. They can't build up and suddenly go, boom, there you go, look at that, how amazing is, I was. Which is your go-to. <laughs> it's more Rachel's recently, but anyway. Yeah. So I think that by easing the restrictions, it would be an even quicker and more fun game and I'm going to give it a go like that. But for the huge hype... I don't understand. As a family game, I think it's a hit. So I've gone proper old school for my next choice, Ronan. Gone back to 2011 and Trajan, the Steffenfeld, is it 
classic. It's getting along those ways. No. No, you're not You're not having it. Okay. <laughs> uh, from a whole range of companies like Hook, Renegade, Quinnard and more. Plays two to five. No, it doesn't. It plays two to four players. And the whole backstory, if there is one, and probably not, is that you're under the ruling power of Emperor Trajan and we are seeking to enhance our own power and influence by adding to the glory of Rome. The game is driven by a Mancala system and you're moving wooden pieces in various colours around a rondelle of six bowls. Where you drop your last piece will determine what action you take on that turn. And you also have the chance of earning a bonus if you can get the right two-colour combination into the right bowl. So your actions in the game are you're going to be moving around the bordering territories to earn military and conquest points. You're going to try and gain new bonuses for your rondelle, as mentioned earlier, called Trajan Tiles. You can gather up goods and you can ship them for points. Uh, you can gain just straight-up Senate points that allow you to possibly grab additional end-of-game scoring tiles at the end of each round. You are going to build up Rome and score points for gathering groups of the same building types. And you can pop along to the forum to grab either a bonus tile or a people needs tile. And I'm talking about people needs tile because at, at the end of the round, the length of the round, however, is driven by how big your mancala moves are you must face the people's needs stroke demands and if you haven't managed to meet those needs by collecting the matching bonus tiles or trajan tiles sometimes you're going to lose points right and i've talked about a theme there it really doesn't come through in the game there's practically no theme just various mechanisms under a, a vague umbrella of ancient rome Vague umbrella. <laughs> <laughs> that would be too sturdy. What's less sturdy than an umbrella? A wispy parasol? <laughs> a distant a, gauze? <laughs> a, wind, a wind turned inside Yalti umbrella. <laughs> <laughs> you know they planted... Play, I'm going to say plane trees. They grow plane trees along their roads because they grow really tall and they flat out foliage and they act like sunshades. Oh, right, okay. And wind shades and rain shades and stuff like that. And that's where you get... Like, yeah, mm. There you go. Do you know? There you go. That's quite cool, isn't it? Right. Do you know why? Because that's more interesting than any attempt of theme <laughs> to be put on these. I, I don't know. It seemed to be that there was five years there where if you didn't have a theme, you'd stick a Roman theme on it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, Ro- there's Ro- quite a Roman, Roman Greek or farming. <laughs> <laughs> so this was part of the Roman wave. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I got excited, right? At the time this came out, and that's when I played it, so I haven't played it in eight and a half years. <laughs> So in terms of specifics and gameplay and stuff like that, I'm going to be rubbish. I'm just going to give you my recollection of what I had. Yeah, fair enough. But at the time I was playing it, I was listening to the History of Rome podcast mm-hmm. by, I think his name is Mike Duncan. It is fantastic. It's the whole history broken down at 30 minutes. I concur. You recommended it to me and I listened to oh, the majority of it. It's fantastic. It's yeah. the lick. He's doing a Revolutions one now at the moment, oh, which yeah, isn't quite as amazing. But this, anyway, I've, I've so I was well. well into it. <laughs> <laughs> I've just done South America. Okay. <laughs> So I was well into it, and it was a Feld game when Feld was hot, and I was all like, yes, bruv, this, God, I'm so excited to play this game, and then it came out and it had no theme, and it immediately punctured me, Sean. Punctured you? It did. Jesus, a lot of wind. <laughs> and, and or other substances. <laughs> it weren't pretty. Normally, I'd be right alongside you, but... I think what tickled me in this game, I, I haven't really played a lot of Mancala games in, in my 
sort of gaming life. I can't really think. There aren't that many. No, yeah. So there's was, a reason for that. <laughs> but is the the way he has implemented the Mancala in this game, it makes it very interesting and very agonising to take a turn because you are constantly thinking, right. Well, it is what it is. It's, it's a main color. You're picking up big groups of um, of these coloured wooden cubes or something, and move, obviously moving them around. Where you, where you finish is what bits. The word what, bits escaped oh, you there. What the, yeah, bits. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, where you finish is that's your action for the round. So you want to try and plan for the things that you are aiming for, and you also want to try and plan to get certain colours into certain bowls so that you can get an additional bonuses, which are very important in winning the game. And it also, as I said on the thing, it drives the, the speed of the round. So if I let sort of eight cubes go into one bowl, then the timer of the round advances eight spaces. And I think there's only 20 in the round. So you, you get three of them, that's the whole round. And there's only three three turns for each one person. Of what, two turns for one person in a two-player game. There are only three turns available. It speeds the, the game up. That's really all you have yeah. to say. <laughs> so... That one mechanism just drives a lot of the game, and I found it really fascinating. My problem with it is that, yes, that mechanism is agonising, and you have got many, many choices, and there are repercussions. But what it drives is six mini-games that I never felt, not only thematically were they unlinked, but mechanically they were unlinked. It felt like a design project, because I could not see how what I was driving was making a cohesive whole so i couldn't invest in it enough to actually play it well so i was always like it was too much effort for me to put the thought into this because all it's going to do is a little dibby dibby move somewhere that leads to another dibby dibby move that goes to a dibby dibby and they're not really linked dibby dibbies i think in another person's hands i would completely agree with you another designer's hands Fun boy yeah yeah true but I think he oh, just does. He, fell, does it? he caresses you. <laughs> he it. does the point he makes salad very well. Sing. Oh. <laughs> and I think he just does it so well. And every but point every salad. mini game. But wait, point salad. Let me finish. But point salad. Stop saying the word point salad. <laughs> it's a good game, by the way. <laughs> every mini game in itself is a really interesting experience. And nah. you've got you've just got you've just got to hone them down to two, maybe three if you're really pushing it, but really concentrate on two, and then that automatically makes the Mancala more interesting because you're trying to get round to those two things and hit them hard every time. So you're just trying to do two things, or two or three. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but then you're very and limited then make what you're the doing. Most of because sometimes you're just not going to be able to land on them. Yeah. I, I've often reached the point where. If I take this, if I get take this bowl, I'm going to land up in that space. If I take another bowl, I'm going to end up in exactly the same space. A space <laughs> I don't want to land up yeah. in, but I haven't so, been doing all game that does very little for so me. So you you make the most of it. I don't want to play on making the most of or it. Or you see how how you can uh, mess with the other people. I want to put a coherent strategy <laughs> together. In to get the point salad just means you score points from lots of different ways. It can still be within a, a whole thing that makes sense. Like, okay, one of the most similar things I'll give you to is Aquasphere, mm-hmm. that we both like, Yeah, that has got similarities to it in various mm-hmm. ways. But what I feel there, that what I'm doing, they are linked and they affect each other. And if I haven't done that, it will lead to this, I can't do that. Yeah. 
Mate, I get you. I get. I'm not going to change your mind. You're not going to change mine because I might though if I keep saying points. <laughs> you might do. Well, you might make me punch you, but that's that's not time. unusual. That's the second bit of violence you've offered. You've, that that poor smartphone, man. You've offered violence too. <laughs> Talking I? about me rubbing my legs. Oh yeah, that's I'm true. in person, so you can punch me. That's what you said. That is true. It's voice recorded. <laughs> I get to edit it. <laughs> and. Yeah, I just find it really interesting. I find all the different routes very interesting. I like exploring the different ones, and I think they're all done very well, and it makes the Mancala more interesting. I don't it, think there's much more to say. Nah, it's bitty. 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 <laughs> and I thought it was... I didn't dislike it. I thought it was fine. I would play it again if asked. If you bowled it out, I'd be like, yeah, I'm happy to play, but in eight and a half years, I haven't rushed back to it. And okay. that tells its own story. Fair enough. So for me, this one, it felt really daunting at first, but everything quickly became second nature. I think it's incredibly replayable because everything is randomised on the board. I just got the board game geek little bits, little plastic bits for it. Oh, excited. How much does it cost you though? You might have $80 in tax. I t- yeah, I know, that was the thing. I won't be going to there again. No, that's what everyone. They, they, the they, they always put the price on the front. Yeah, an instant. So you get fully taxed. Yeah, 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 yeah. Won't do that again. But it's really nice, Rolling. God, who hit me? GG lie, <laughs> lie. Just don't say anything. And yeah, I find the Mancala really interesting. The timing really interesting. The set collection really interesting. And I would say, Ronan, that this is a contender for my top ten games of all time. I absolutely adore it. You sicko. You haven't said its name in about 10 minutes. I haven't. It's Trajan. Hurrah! Your top 10 of all time. Yeah, it's, it's right up there. Might be the finally the Aquasphere uh, Killer as my favourite Feld game. I'm so sad. <laughs> okay, I'm going to have to play it. We really should have played it before we got on here, but there you go. I have to play If you love it that much then maybe my taste have changed enough in that time that I would enjoy it. But... Nah, you're a miserable curmudgeon. Well, that's true. Okay, quick break. Back in a sec. So, welcome back to the second part of our review of eight games. So, Ronan is now going to lead us into an expansion. You've gone to see BBs again. I have. You have. Ronan... He's now going to lead us into an expansion of one of our it's very really favourite games. I can't stand that voice. We start. Okay. Shakespeare Backstage. Da-dun. Designed by Hervé Regal from Istari. Wonderful players. It's a 90-minute game. It's 2016 release. Shakespeare, before we go any further, Sean, mm-hmm. is a curiously Marmite game. It really is. It really is. Uh, mostly in my house because I think it's fantastic and Natalie point blank refuses to play it to the point where I had to sell it because it wasn't getting played I love it Rachel loves it Lizzie our old housemate loves it whenever she's back from Australia she demands to play it Ellie hates it yeah don't understand but like not oh I don't fancy that oh no I don't refuse to play oh, it. Yes. I'm aware what's I'm it going done by. the pitch is going <laughs> What has it done I to offend people? No, I think it's just so tight, maybe. Because it is one of the tightest Euro games. It's all there. about tweet. Tweet. <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I love it. I think it's a fantastic game. And 
Yeah, he bought me the shake stick spear backstage. Shake spear backstage. It's easy for you to say, right? <laughs> <laughs> teeth back in. You up. bought it for me anyway, and I never got to play it, so I'm interested. I in did buy it for you. It's hard to find. It always was hard to find, and it was almost a curious one to find an expansion for because I don't think it ever sold that well. No. So I heard there was an expansion, but I didn't see it anywhere until I was. Didn't I buy them in Birmingham? You did in. Wayland's Forge. Well, I don't know. That's true, but wherever it was, I bought it. And I was excited at the massive scope and expanse of this from the very second I picked it up with two hands. <laughs> two hands? Yeah. <laughs> he used their two hands for that four-inch box. <laughs> that cardboard. It's, like it's a card box. A pretty slim card box. So when there's an expansion, then it's one of your games that you love and you play it a lot. And Oh, wow. Yeah, it came in a card box. Okay, what does it add? So one of the main mechanisms of Shakespeare, and Shakespeare is that you've got six days to put on a play, you're collecting sets, you're collecting uh, actors that you're going to have to pay, uh, backstage workers that you're going to have to pay, and you're collecting costumes to put on your actors, and you, you've got to collect money to pay them all. There are um, some bonus scoring cards you can get rather than collecting money if you think you've got enough. You're creating a script which will give you bonuses twice during the week, and you're trying to score points via putting this all together currently and as Sean said it's all about tightness it's tightness of money tightness of actions now everyone's got five action markers and at the beginning of a round everyone secretly bids how many of those action markers they want to use to activate their actors for the bonuses and to activate their backstage crew in order to prepare the set and costumes and whoever's bid the fewest gets to go first but obviously they get fewer actions yours so what this does in backstage is the spares that you have, so if I bid three of my five markers and I have two spare, there's now every turn a row of cards out of extra actions that I can activate using my spares. And they are going to allow me to do things like take set pieces. There's a character called the jeweler that you hire because there's special gold pieces of costume or, or set that only the jeweler can take, but this will be a one-off use jeweler or it might allow you to move your scripts along. And several of them have got various levels of actions that require you to have one, two, or three of these markers spare. Now, it's going to be hard to have three markers spare because you only have two actions on your normal board. But you can also, every turn, in normal Shakespeare, you have to draft in either an actor or, or a backstage worker or an extra. That card that you used to draft, you can now use to activate these backstage... I've called used backstage really badly there, and I shouldn't have done. Because the one I'm talking about backstage workers, they go in your own tableau and you activate them with your with your buttons. This extra row of extra cards are these one-off actions that change every turn that you'll mm-hmm. just fire, and you can choose to, rather than drafting it in, you can choose to, uh, to use that power to do that as well. So it takes one of the, the most crucial and difficult decisions in Shakespeare... One of the ones where you're really vying of, oh, should I go oh, with four or five? Or I really, and it makes it even more so because <laughs> there might be that killer move on there that requires two. And you go, do I give up my draft when I can see that you know, the set person's there that I really need? Or do I only take three actions this turn? There's also a rest mechanism, by the way, where most of the things that you've activated this turn can't activate next turn. That's all part of the decision. And Sean, this is a masterpiece in expansion design. It's tickling me, Ronan. It, it does feel like it's making it even more divisive. In <laughs> so I think I think Ellie and Natalie will hate it all the more for that, and we will love it all the more for just that decision 
the extra agony in the decision of what how many markers to Just take. let me put my line through where I said it won't change your mind on the game. <laughs> <laughs> because it's all about the tightness and the actions and the money and the resources. And now there's a different route to get. What about resources? There's a set number of each level of set and costume pieces in the game. Mm-hmm. And they come out randomly each round, but you know exactly what's in the total pool. Yeah. And they're tight to get to. Yeah. And there's a race. To, and now there's another way to get to them. Mm. So you might think suddenly you're safe. And there's, for example, you can hire someone from the backstage extra cards. And that allows you that when you're taking set piece of costume pieces, you can get them from the discard pile. Yeah. In the, in the base game itself, I think if I did have a, a slight criticism of it, it was that you had two paths to go down pretty much. And you kind of, you went down one or the other. So repeated plays in a short space of time probably weren't a good idea for Shakespeare. This sounds like it alleviates that problem slightly. It doesn't cure it because it, it doesn't give you lots of avenues to explore, but it does alleviate it slightly and it makes it a more enjoyable experience from what I'm hearing. I have to disagree with you. Oh. Because we found on repeated plays that actually we can kind of go down all the paths. Oh, okay. Because we got better at it. And then it's even tighter. Because <laughs> you're not just rushing like, if I'm going down set and you're going down set and Rachel and Natalie are going down jewellery, uh, costume pieces, then that's the two races, right? Yeah. If all four of us are doing both, oh, <laughs> why don't we go for first? And like you're saying, now maybe I can bid two actions knowing I get to go first and then use this extra deal over here to sweep up the couple yeah, of pieces yeah. that I need that I know is going to screw your plan. And You're tickling me, Ronan. You're oh, tickling me. Next, next time I'm down, we were just talking about maybe having some me staying on some days off my night shifts. Maybe we'll have a little tickle of this. Mate, it enhances that decision space and enhances your options, but it doesn't blow anything it doesn't blow it doesn't it adds a few extra actors that are actually quite interesting because mm-hmm. they have a malice on them but once you put costume on them their malice is gone uh, so they're no longer like dampen your mood what, or whatever it might be just before I go I don't really have an opinion on this other than I'm quite excited about it the only negative thing I read about it is someone and I think it's rubbish given that there's so few components in the in the game that someone said it, it elongates the setup time and he, and he felt it was a bit what yeah I don't know so you don't really put much, too much else out other than those those few. Cards. You shuffle a deck of cards and put out. Yeah, four for yeah, two. Yeah, always rubbish. <laughs> I, I, I'm excited. Um, I'm I'm up for this. Uh, I love Shakespeare anyway. So yeah, bring it on. If you like Shakespeare, if you like tight euros with that limited space where you're really vying for things with each other, give Shakespeare a go. If you've got Shakespeare, this honestly, and you will never ever hear me say this. This is a must by expansion it could be the best bang for buck expansion i've ever got in my life it just elevates what i thought was it wasn't one of my favorite favorites but a very good game of shakespeare into one of my favorite favorites cool it backstage is an incredible expansion i love it excellent okay so from backstage we're off to visit some fantastic factory well we know how good this is because it's (laughs) right there on the title fantastic it's a 2019 (laughs) release designed by joseph z chen or z chen and Justin Faulkner, coming from Meta Factory Games and Deepwater Games, playing one to five players. In the game, it is a race to build the most efficient factories in the shortest time. Your aim is to build your factory tableau and get as many goods produced as possible before the game ends. 
Each round plays in two phases. You have the market phase and the work phase. In the market phase, you're basically obtaining factory buildings, blueprints, or you can hire a worker by paying resources and they give you various bonuses. In the work phase, you're going to roll your dice and you're going to assign them either to your home board or your factories. And this allows you to obtain resources, which are metal, energy, and blueprint cards, and generate goods, which are basically points in the game. And if you place equal die results, it gives you bonuses on your home board, right? Then. It does. You then build cards, uh, cards or factories by using the resources generated, including the cards, as each building blueprint will have a requirement that you discard another blueprint card of a certain type. And the game ends when a player has generated 12 goods or has built 10 factories stroke buildings, and the scores are based on the goods you made and the points for the buildings themselves. First impressions for me, we're going very um, shut up and sit down on this one. Starting off with a different impression to what we're ending on this. Uh, I don't. Apart from the last one, could we just well, say I haven't, it was great. I haven't watched any no, it's, it's, board game yeah. stuff in a long time. I, I, watched, I think they've got years. better. I think they've got better. But they, they, the shtick was always, if they, whatever they started with, it was they're going to finish on a different point of view. So if they started uh, slating the game, they're going to they're going to twist. They have a twist, and it'll go. So I've given, I've given this one away, haven't I? <laughs> so Hold on, we start on fantastic. <laughs> fantastic. Woo! How are we going to finish? First impressions of this one, Ronan, that it was really interesting and it did look fantastic. I thought it was lovely, bright. There we go. Sean, Sean drinking game. Vibrant. Vibrant colours. Vibrant colours. We called it Sean Bingo. <laughs> and I just love the cartoony Speaking art. Speaking of which, by the way, I cracked out the Brennavin at the uh, on Saturday. Oh, Jesus, that's some bad stuff. <laughs> I found this Icelandic spirit in Iceland in the year. Sean loves it. Oh my god! It was aircon, wasn't it? It was aircon. Air I bought you a mini of it. He bought me a mini and I sh- and I slept it down me. Oh Jesus! I like. I really like I it. I think it's still burning. I have four shots of it on Saturday. I think it's quite That's nice. That's because you're an Elka. Yeah. It looked like it was going to be a really interesting game, and I like dice worker placement games. As I played Alien Frontiers, the other you day. did. You know, did you know I tell you that I've had my four year itch to play that? <laughs> okay, yes, it now okay, so it's a good production, yeah. So, there is in terms of it's a new publisher, yeah. I don't think they've made too much, definitely. It's a Kickstarter for them yeah, and stuff like Met- that. Meta Factory Games, in terms of. The production, then, I would look out for this publisher and say they're likely to put out, uh, in terms of physical components, a decent game. So yeah. I'd have a look at whatever comes. Yeah, the cards were good quality stock. Dice were big, chunky dice. The artwork was really good. So yeah, it was a good production. You started off with all your positives there. <laughs> Do you have any more positives? Um, it plays very quickly. It really does race along. Once you once you get going, the engine cracks along. Yeah, you, I was a bit bad at having spare cards in my hand. Yeah, yeah, I true. A bit. I think it also depends on if you want the game to end because you might have a. That's true. A engine, sorry, that is sort of churning out uh, pro- uh, produce rather than scoring your points that way, rather than having sort of different cards in. You're correct. The so Rachel, she built more of the um, bonusy things. That you know, whenever you do this, you get an extra one. Then when you do that, you get an extra product. When you do this, you get. So that took her a while to get going. Mm. Whereas I hit the buildings hard, yeah. and I realised the longer this goes on, the more likely she is to win. Yeah. And so I raced it off, and then end up winning by a point. 
Okay. <laughs> yeah. No, that's not true. She won the next game by a point. I ended up winning on a tie break. So oh. I was definitely right. To, and on the second thing of the tie break. The time well. just right. <laughs> <laughs> I was dead. I couldn't get, as Sean said, there are four different like types of, of buildings and you have to throw one away to build one of the same type. And I could not get that guy. They would not come out in the thing I was fishing. And anyway, it is quick. It's a nice production. It has, this is, this is, this is the thing. Right. Mm. If you sat down ten gamers who had never designed a game before, but had an inkling to design, because not every gamer does, but had an inkling to design, one of them would invent this game. And I don't want to say bog standard. You are. You just said it, <laughs> and it is. Uh, yeah, it's very reminiscent of sort of other games of its type. It's not groundbreaking. It is. It is the game that you put it together. You go. Oh, this is a bit obvious. You're collecting two different resources. What different card effects can I come up with? And they've added that. So it's not bog standard. They've added the second level of card effects, whereby you're a bit switchy for this and switchy for that. If you turn that around, you get a bonus there. But they're all also obvious. Mm. And there's nothing in here that is going to take anyone with any experience in games and go, oh, ah. Not in terms of... I mean, they haven't bothered with the theme. And to be honest... I get slightly offended at this lack of effort for the theme. I mean, if you come up with a case where I'm running an engine that produces things and the best theme come up with is a factory, you're not really trying. Yeah, <laughs> true. So the games that most people compare these to are Machi Koro and Space Space. They're those dice worker placement game, engine building games, where the, the number on the dice matters to as, as where you place it and how what the number is. It's definitely gamier than Machi Koro. What I found it was it was less interactive. Now we're going to be reviewing Space Space next time we do a, a picking over. Don't say anything. <laughs> Only use neutral words. <laughs> so what I find it is that it's not as interactive as those two games because those two games you are piggybacking on on each other's tableaus. On this one, it is a pretty solitary experience. Maybe you take a worker or a or a building blueprint that somebody else wants in the in that phase, but it doesn't really matter. There's multiple copies of everything. You're not really bothered, really. And you know when you scrunch one side of your nose up and you shrug <laughs> your shoulder at the same side and tilt your head the other way, you go. Eh, I don't know how to put that into audio format. But <laughs> you just have. It's all about maybe the interaction things. Mm, is it though? <laughs> so basically, there's not very much interactive. It is almost a solitaire game. So to me, there's nothing new. It's not very interactive. Mm-hmm. There's no surprises. Yeah. They have added that extra level of gameliness where you have to turn this and turn that. And mm-hmm. if I turn this into four of this, those four can turn into five of that, which will end up being eight of that in the end. By four stages, it becomes more efficient. And then I can use that to score points. So there are processes to go through, although each step is very simple. Which gives me the question that I asked you when we discussed this. Yeah, we did, yeah. Who is it for? Exactly. And I think I came across to your way of thinking on this one a little bit because my initial thoughts were this looks like a mass market game. I think this needs to be with the brightness of the graphics and it does look attractive. I saw a place for this on the There's no sloths in it. <laughs> There's no sloths. I saw a place for this on on the Walmart stroke uh, Tesco shelves. But then we had a little discussion and you said it was probably too gamey for that. But not gamey enough for gamers. So it's another Game Pit favourite phrase. It's neither fish nor fowl around him. Ding. Ding. <laughs> <laughs> it's, and it really isn't. And I, I, 
I think it falls between the the gap of those two markets, and I don't think it's necessarily going to appeal to either. There might be a slight crossover, but I think in general, it, it's this one's going to fall a bit flat. But then, what do I know? It seems to be doing okay in other people's reviews. So, when the too many games thing is put around the place, there's too many games out. Games are getting lost in the flood. Mm. We don't know what's good and what's bad. This is the number one culprit for too many games because it's well made. There's been hard work put into design. There's been a lot of play testing. They've come up with something that's balanced. Mm-hmm. But to me, it is nothing. It fills no gap. For me, it's almost like the genre novel of a board game. For me, this would have been a one and done if I wasn't reviewing it, Ronan. Mm. I think it was after that first play. I didn't hate it, but I didn't see anything great in it either, and I was done. I'd seen all there was to, for this game to show me. There was nothing more to explore, and I wasn't particularly bothered about exploring it again. So it would have gone out onto the trade pile there and then, but uh, it did after I played a few more games just for review purposes. Very good. Those factories were not fantastic, and you are getting <laughs> awful at not saying the name of your games. <laughs> Sorry. Fantastic factories, Rona. Not all that. <laughs> Speaking of exploring, my last game is Fuji, a 2018 game by Wolfgang Varsh. <gasps> Quacks. Teeth and tar. Foyland. Uh, two to four players, around 45 minutes for a game. That might be a little bit low, but around that roughly. Mm-hmm. Fuji is a cooperative game in which we are all explorers who find ourselves on Mount Fuji and it erupts. And we must then get to the village and not die. Because if anyone dies, then we've lost the game. Yeah. Jolly good. There's a map of cards laid out and there's several different ways of setting it up. But basically it's, it's lines of cards that lay various routes where Fuji's at the top it's starting to explode and right down at the far end is going to be a various number of cards for the village we are all represented by a marker and that marker has to get along to the village on each of these cards there is there are three colors of dice in the game and they all have a scoring requisite mm-hmm. which means you have your marker that's you and then each turn you're choosing to put your another marker on one of the cards that you're trying to get to that card you're trying to get to will tell you how you have to score on the dice that you're about to roll. And it might be all your blues. It might be all your evens. It might be all your ones, two, threes, but only in yellow and pink. Because there's three different colours of results you can get on your dice. And obviously they're one to six as well. You're going to then roll your dice behind a screen. Now how far you've chosen to move is going to give you a certain number of re-rolls. If you're moving very shortly or even onto your own one, you get more re-rolls than if you're trying to move further along. Obviously if you move further along, you're moving away from the lava that's constantly coming out and you're getting further towards the village, but you're going to have to roll well on that first go. Because once everyone's finished rolling and re-rolls and special powers and items, because there are special powers for each character and there are items you get at the beginning of the game and can pick up as you go along on various tiles and you can use them and they affect all different phases of the game and they can do different things for you, like allowing you to move further or do re-rolls or get extra energy or whatever it might be. Anyway, once everyone's finished rolling, you'll reveal your dice. You then choose the first player's marker and you look at whether their scoring goal was. So let's say for Sean, it was all evens in yellow and pink. He would get all his evens in yellow and pink and say, I have scored 16. I would get all my evens in yellow and pink and check what my value was and whoever Sean's other neighbour on the left-hand side is going to get all of theirs in yellow and pink for evens and check what their value is. If Sean has got the highest value on the dice which are valid for scoring for his destination card, he can move there. 
And the further he is away from his next competitor, so if he had 16 and I had 12 and, and Jimmy McGrew on the side there had three, he would be four ahead of me. He can move. Oh, you know I never play with Jimmy. Yeah, Jimmy's a bit leery, but <laughs> never mind. He's good at this game. <laughs> if he's four ahead of me, now depending on how far you're ahead from your nearest rival, you're going to lose a certain amount of stamina. And as you lose stamina going around, you're going to lose dice and you're going to lose uh, special power. Basically, you're going to lose special powers, including the loss of dice. Yeah. You become less efficient as you lose stamina, basically. Mm-hmm. Okay, if Sean, for example, was to score 30 and I had two and Jimmy Magoo had four, he'd be miles ahead from both of us and he wouldn't lose any stamina at all and he'd carry on happy as Larry. We'd go on then to Jimmy Magoo, whatever his scoring is, say it's all his blues, he would say, I've got 11 in all my blues and Sean would say, oh, I've got 12 and the person on Jimmy Magoo's left, that's called him Barney McGee, he would score four. But Sean, if he had a higher score than Jimmy Magoo, Jimmy can't move mm-hmm. and he loses a rake of stamina. Good. <laughs> he loses a lot of stamina because he couldn't move and not only does he lose the stamina but he's stuck there because once everyone's gone through their movement to check whether they can move or can't and then how much energy they lose then the lava is going to explode onto tiles next to it and it's going to move down and down if ever you're caught by the lava you lose if you run out of energy we all lose if everyone gets to the village we all win Sean yes you've played this with us I have Fuji I think what grabbed me was how well it conveyed that sort of information to lack of information. They got the balance of that really well because you never felt like you had zero information to go on because people would say, listen, you might want not want to do that because I've got a lot of the things that you're after, but you don't know exactly. So you do have to, to work around what they're saying and try and maybe alter your plans based on not perfect information. So what Sean's talking about there is that you've rolled your dice, they're behind the screen, and then everyone chooses where they want to move. Yeah. So Sean might be putting his double down onto, uh, let's say, all blues. And I'm here and I've rolled four sixes in blue. Yeah. And I'll be there going, that's a really bad idea, bro. That's right. And he'd be like, no, it's a good idea because he's rolled six sixes in blue. That's not possible, but you know what I'm saying. (laughs) He's like, no, it's fine. I'm like, it's really bad. He's like, no, it's fine. It's fine. (laughs) And then I'll be like, right. I now don't want to go somewhere that wants all blues or has it because yeah. he's indicating to me that he's very strong in blues no matter how strong I am. Yeah. But maybe I've got nothing else. And it's that balance of Yeah, but you've got you've got a lot of information to go on. It's not perfect and you you are still well within your rights to take a chance. And no, you're I like, right. I like that and I like it's 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 not like you must do that where you do get in some other co op games like this is the optimum move, therefore you have to take it. And it's not like complete, like, oh God, I don't know. It's like, like the mind or something where I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're going to refer to that as the worst. <laughs> well, you, let me think of something that's absolutely terrible. Oh, the mind. The mind. <laughs> well, well Minnie's game that I really hate the mind. <laughs> <laughs> when you say limited communication to people, it, it certainly makes me very wary because there's. <laughs> like right. there's that nudging that winking mm. that oh we've come up with a code oh if we tap three times it means I'm three you know that sort of thing that I understand that that, that could put you off so in this did you feel there was enough variety in travel goals one of the things that I've said will the game differ wildly from game to game and that, that might be an issue I have with the game so within the travel goals themselves not a massive difference and you kind of you could quite easily pick out 
the different ones. There was never an agonising choice, really, in our game, anyway, where we had to both go for the same thing because we just had to. I felt like the threat of the game didn't come through as a result of that. Yeah, I think the threat balance is something that's a bit wonked in it. Mm. Because if you can get a couple of good moves in early and you can move three and move three and not have lost any energy, you've almost won. Yeah. Because you can stall in and you can choose and go down another path. If you start poorly, that's the only time it's exciting. Because hmm. the lava is right on you. And if you start poorly, you'll definitely be losing stamina. You'll definitely lose some of the edge you've got in terms of powers. And that will then start spiraling you into a more difficult place. So there's, there's a teetering point. And the teetering point is, for me, for, for a very good game, it's, it's, it was too early. And it stops it being a very good game. The path is then set whether I've got a bit of breathing room here or I haven't. And the chance, once you get far ahead of that lava again catching up with you, is quite low. So, yeah. So, is it, there's a, is a little bit of fragility in there? In that, I think so, yeah, 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 yeah. And in that, Sean, it shows to me that it's one of Wolfgang Vash's earlier designs. Because it's a really good idea. It's interesting. It's definitely worth a couple of plays. Definitely, yeah. But it hasn't got the robustness of a full-body design that's there to be played again and again and again. It's like, oh, that's an interesting experience, and I could crack it out now and then. Mm -hmm. But in terms of when you look to what he went on to achieve, oh, here's an early essay in the craft. I think the actual discussions and the sort of working together in the game is really good. But I think the mechanisms in the game, as you said, probably just drag it back a little bit. So... Much like yourself, I'd like. I, I enjoyed the game. I have no desire to rush out and buy it. But in a month's time, if you said I really fancy a game of Fuji, should we crack it out? I would do. I would happily do so. I concur with you. Decent game, well worth a try. If you see it around, it's offered to you. Give it a go. See how much it tickles your taste buds. Fuji. Okay, last but not least, maybe I don't know, um, is a game we've already reviewed. So we're trying to make this as quick as possible. It's Arboretum. Originally came out in 2015, designed by Dan Kassar. And at the moment, it's Renegade Game Studios, but it was Z-Man previously. And it's two to four players. So players are going to build the Arboretum and they're going to earn points for creating beautiful garden paths for the visiting public. There is a deck of cards featuring different trees. Each of the trees is numbered one to eight. And on their turn, a player is going to draw two cards and they are going to play one to their Arboretum and add the other to their discard pile. When the deck is empty, players are now going to score their Arboretum. And they're going to do it by tree type by tree type. And then players are going to look in their hand to see who has the most value in each of the tree types. And whoever does does have the most value gets to score that tree type in their Arboretum. The Arboretum is made up by placing cards down in increasing or decreasing numbers in a row that begins and ends in that type in their Arboretum. I'm going to start off very quickly, Ronan. The new Renegade art is an improvement on a very, very good looking game from Z-Man. I haven't looked at the new Renegade one because I'm an old man and I've got the old (laughs) Z-Man version and via various and various culls of my collection I still have it which tells you something and I don't know mate but the original one was already a fine looking game it was a fine looking game they've made it even finer it's absolutely gorgeous so I didn't like this the first time we we played it Ronan I think if we go back to that review and listen back to it God forbid I didn't get on with it. I found it too mean, a bit too in your face, especially just with two players. Uh, yeah, it's definitely not at best with two players. It's two zero sum, and I know I'm not saying you can't enjoy it two players. 
Well, there is actually a variant on Board Game Geek where you start with one more tree type and you discard eight random cards so you don't know exactly, so you can't, it's not perfect information. Yeah, that would help. That tickles it a little bit, I a think. A little bit, I can see that. But the one thing in the game with more than two is that when you're discarding a card, sometimes you're choosing who to help. Because I can see that Sean is trying to collect oak and I've got an oak card that he wants to help his chain. And I can see that Ellie's trying to collect olive and I've got an olive card that will help her out. I have to discard one of these two cards because the hand management is absolutely brutal. <laughs> it really is. It is just... And because you're choosing, oh, which one of these two am I going to help? At least in two play, eliminate that, but I think you also eliminate a lot of the fun. Yeah, I think it is a very zero-sum of two-player, and it will be a better game. I I think I've only ever played it two-player, Ronan, so... No, we played it more. Did we? Back before, yeah, yeah, back before we reviewed it. So, long time ago. A long time, indeed. Oh, absolutely, Ronan. It's, it's an agonising choice, because, as you said, you, do, you don't want to be helping other people out, and but you want everything. You want to score everything, and I think you're very realising, Arboretum, you can't score everything. No. You really have to channel one or two You're also sets. trying not, especially early on, not to reveal what you're going to be able to be able to yeah, score. Yeah, yeah, you're putting up that bluff. So, you, it's <laughs> fa- so the initial bit I imagine is, how long do I keep hold of this great hand of cards I've got? Before I start putting them down, everyone goes, oh, now you're off to Magnolia, and start hailing your Magnolia. <laughs> <laughs> but then it's about not, not only are you holding back the cards to score for yourself but you're trying to hold back cards to prevent someone else from getting a massive score you know if I can see you've got a 1, 2, 5, 6, 7 or whatever of something that is a huge score for you it's a point per card you get the bonus it starts and ends on a 1 it's longer than 4 that's huge scoring and they're all the same type because yeah. when you score change you don't have to score change of the same type they just have to start and end yeah, on the same yeah, trip yeah, yeah. so you can use the same 2 card for every single chain you've got, it doesn't matter what species it is. Yeah. But if you do manage to do them in the same species, you get a bonus for doing that. That's right. Yeah. And when someone's got that chain going, man, that's when you're like, no, 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 I cannot put this card down. But if I put this card down, I won't score my own good chain. Yeah. If I put that card down, it's going to give Sean an amazing, oh, what do mm. I? That is so hard. And it, that in itself, Ron, is just so interactive. And there is no downtime in this game because you're always watching extreme interest in what people are going to put down into their discard pile please put down an oak please put down an oak I really need an oak (laughs) and how often is someone sitting there for 30 seconds a minute just agonising about what to put down and it's actually funny because you can empathise with them I know I know they're like no you don't understand I do there's only a few of us around this table who can understand your current pain and I understand it and it's a game where where we said earlier with Fast Lost, where the pacing is off because it slows down at the end. With this one, it crunches and crunches in and crunches in. And there is no doubt that in the last three rounds, you are dumping cards that you wish you could keep. <laughs> you, like, you, you would have thought at the beginning, I'm never getting rid of this card. And then it's, it's got to go. It's got, there's nothing you can do about it. It's got to go. And so, you're just broken. Ronan, it's, it's, I think it's obvious what you think about the game. You've kept it in your, in your collection for the, this long it's absolutely fantastic. And is it old enough for us to just start calling it a classic now? Mm, possibly. Should we call it Fantastic Arboretum? <laughs> no, because they might think it's an expansion to that. Not a great game. <laughs> so I didn't like it at first because of the meanness. And I think it's a kind of testament like that I've evolved slightly as a gamer. And I am starting to enjoy the mean games and doing the meanest stuff and the crunchier things in games. And I can see the, the, the fun in it now. Whereas I used to just think, no, not for me. 
but become more bitter and hateful. Oh yeah, well there you go. (laughs) Around you too much. So I am now a big fan of Arboretum. I really like (laughs) it. You're a big fan of Arboretum. (laughs) (laughs) So that's it for our reviews, and that was Arboretum, by the way. And Ronan, have you been sniffing at anything Kickstarter or, or buying any games recently? I've sniffed at nothing on Kickstarter. I haven't even looked at Kickstarter. I haven't looked at a review. I haven't looked. I've barely been on Board Game Geek in literally <laughs> months. I haven't done a trade. I have been away from Board Game. But I've been playing games on the yeah. table. But yeah. the whole other bit of it and being in the emails and, and discussing games all the time, I've been away from I've just been doing other things. And I'll get back to it. I'm not... I'm not throwing it away, but I just, you know, yeah, I've been chilling. Yeah, life's for more than just board games. Well, sometimes. So, so in terms of buying things, well, I'll tell you what I've bought just recently that's come in because there's been a little spate of games that have tickled me. Mm-hmm. Alma Mater. Yeah, I'm, I'm jealous. From the Italian designy boys. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know Rachel loves their games, so yeah. that had to come in. That, yeah, I'm, I'm jealous. It's got a very, very cool little book. I got, I'm going through a few here now. I've got Hellboy for my birthday. Yes, you did. That is interesting. Yeah. I like the theme. It's supposed to be a good game. Yeah. I got Fire Team Zero in what I thought was a really good deal on Facebook. You got like, a steal, didn't you? I think so. Yeah. Fire Team Zero and the Europe expansion. I think they both go for over 100 quid. I got both for 80 quid. That'll so do. I'm very happy with that. Yeah. So thank you to Ruth. I don't think you listen, but whatever. Thanks. <laughs> Um, I got Barony for my birthday from the kids. Oh, nice! Yeah, yeah, we played that. Really cool. It really abstract. Really, yeah, I'm really, really up for that. Yeah, but like lovely bits. Mm-hmm. Matigo game, but really, I'm gonna go through. I've got a whole list here, aren't I? We both got Castles of Tuscany. Well, that was obviously going to happen. <laughs> Rona messaged me, said, "Oh, thirsty me because we got Castles of Tuscany." I went on the website immediately. <laughs> I did not have it anymore so I went on board game prices UK and one place in Britain still had it oh wow yeah, it was Firestorm cards so I enabled they were charging a bit more and I only had to buy 10 copies to put you in that dilemma <laughs> <laughs> so a sequel to Castles of Burgundy which is you know one of our no, favourites no brainer really yeah so we'll see how that one goes I bought that Nidavalier game Tom Vassell is jumping up and down like well, a, it wasn't from Tom that I got the reputation. <laughs> he he thinks he's the best game like for, for years. Yes, he absolutely adores it. So that's that is going to be getting played. And Gloomhaven mm. Jaws of the Lion. Very good. So for someone who wasn't really concentrating on games, that's an awful lot of games you've bought. I didn't say I wasn't buying them. Some, <laughs> some of them were presents. Some of them were presents. That's over like two months, mate. This is the one yeah. a week. And uh, Ming Voyages came in, which was a Kickstarter, which is a one or two plus price their games game, which I'm looking forward to. And oh, the last one, the last one that I bought. All right. Do you remember a couple of years ago, my weird choice for expansion of the year was Tomb of Annihilation for the Dungeons and Dragons oh, adventure yeah, yeah, system? Because it was a return to yeah, form. Yeah. Dungeon of the Mad Mage is the last one to come out, but I hadn't finished Tomb Annihilation, so I never bought it, and I never bought it, I never bought it. And I've been playing Tomb Annihilation again, and I have so much fun with it. I was like, I've got to get the second Kevin Wilson one, because he designed these ones since, you know, freelancing and that. Boy, you could not get it. I had to get it from Holland. <laughs> but I got it, and it, it, that one, that wasn't a deal, but I'm like, I'm happy I got that. I really, what Kevin Wilson did with that system, I think was very clever, and I hope more come out. Cool, cool. Any so- sniffs from you and thoughts? A few sniffs on Kickstarter. I've been trying to keep it down. I did splurge on the... and I, should, I, I don't learn my lessons, but I splurged on the Queen, Steffenfeld. Oh, the City's collection or yeah. something? I don't have... Because basically it's, it's uh, Amsterdam and Hamburg, 
which are effectively Bruges with all the expansions and Macau. Now, I really like not Hamburgum. No, no, that's no, not that's not, not Stephen Field. That's no. right. <laughs> I really like Macau. Yeah, Macau's good. I quite game. like Bruges, but I got rid of it. But I am the canal told, yeah, to be, yeah, yeah, it's supposed to be. They've changed some of the rules as well, right? And they've made it tighter. And a lot of the things that where you just had overpowered characters in it, they've they've taken that away a little bit, and that was my problem with Bruges. So they've improved. I'll <laughs> you back to Queen. <laughs> I know, I know. I don't know. Do so I've I've backed those because two they're two Steppenfeld games I don't own. And boy, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is for me and the boy and and, and Natalie it's to play. You. It's for me. It's a game called The Shivers. It it, it uh, was on Kickstarter a little while back, and it's a. Is it about dogs in the park? It is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's about it's about waking up after a night on oh, with the fear. A night, a night on the town. And the Brennan with the fear. Yeah, it's it's a pop up a collection of pop up books basically. And you're, sol- oh, you're solving. I can see you all over this already. <laughs> you're solving. It's an unraveling story, and it's a kind of like escape room type thing where you're solving clues, but using the pop-up components. <laughs> it looks cool. If this is any good, I'll give you twenty quid. All right, you're on. You're on. And lastly, that's the most sure purchase. <laughs> it's a pop-up book. Oh, Jesus! <laughs> I think it looks good. So, meh. And lastly, it's just about to fund. By the time this comes out, it will be funded. It's Die of the Dead, and it's um, based on... Um, is it the Day of the Dead, by any chance? Yeah, no, it's based on Die of the Dead. It's based on... Is uh, it based on the Day of the Dead, was my question. No, it isn't. <laughs> <laughs> then that's a poor name choice. It's based on um, the... I, I want to get it right. So You're doing well here. The Dia de Muerto. Oh, I thought you meant Day of the Dead, the, the George A. Romero oh film. God. I quit. <laughs> no, it's not. It's based on the Day of the Dead in Spanish. <laughs> if you've ever seen Coco, for instance. Um, about the Day of the Dead. About the Day of the Dead, yeah, sorry. When you, when you say Day of the Dead to me, my mind immediately goes to George A. Romero. You're a weirdo, that's why. I know, I know. So, yeah, it's based on that. The artwork is absolutely fantastic. You're, you're helping souls to, to get to the afterlife and to succeed in the afterlife. In the game, there's like these little ornately coloured coffins with all the Mexican art artwork. And, yeah, I think it's by a British company as well. So, yeah, I thought I'd give it back. It's not, Gonics not, has got pretty dice. Oh, pretty dice, pretty everything. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's what, that's what I've been... Back in and sniffing. I also got uh, Castles of Tuscany. Nice. And I got on tour, arrived from a Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. More about that next in the next uh, review episodes. So we'll talk about that. But yeah, uh, I've been fairly quiet. I'm, You're a good lad. I'm brassic, so I can't... <laughs> I'm on lockdown, so all that money, as you can tell, goes on games here and there. Right. Two more things that are incoming. One more imminent than the other. Go on. First is Pacific Rails, Inc., Yep, good old Dino. 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 That's coming in shortly. He assures me it's on its way. Lovely. Because I haven't had any notification or anything, so I'm looking forward to trying that out from Dean Morris, new designer, friend of ours. And you're the one who's heads me up that we've been hearing about it for a long time. It is a new version of one of our favourite games, and that Mythic Battles Ragnarok mm-hmm. is apparently mm-hmm. imminent. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think you can basically say we are all 
in. All, all in. All, all in. I'm out, out. I'm in, in. <laughs> so, I mean, I did a little bit of scouting about it before I told Roland about it. I was trying to find out when it was being released, but it seems that they're scaling it down a little bit because the sheer amount of like monsters and heroes and gods and titans they felt it was really hard to balance everything. So there are going to be games when it's just not balanced because this... You're talking about Mythic Battles Pantheon. Mythic Battles Pantheon, yeah, which is the sort of precursor for Mythic Battles Ragnarok. Yeah, they're scaling it down a little bit. There's not going to be as many. There'll still be loads, but there's not going to be as many like little expansions here and there. And the price point where it was upwards of £400. Look at me. Yeah, well, I'm the idiot that did it. It was upwards of £400 for the whole shebang. In the, la- in the last Kickstarter, I think it's going to be a lot more condensed and possibly down towards the £150, £200 mark. I'd be surprised if it was that cheap. You reckon? I'm sure there'll still be plenty in there. Uh, uh, the other thing to me is that the fact that they've explored this system so thoroughly in Pantheon and there are so many different units is hmm. I, there's got to be repeats of powers. That's all I can think of. Yeah, yeah. In terms of coming up with completely new designs, like I think we're going to be able to see... That characters in this are very similar to characters in they, Pantheon. Yeah, I don't I mean, care. Yeah, I mean, like Thor and Zeus are going to be similar, aren't they? They're always going to hit people with lightning bolts, or you'd or imagine. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I don't care. We, I mean, we we, we 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 like to mention it to whoever listens that we are Vikings. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I've ever mentioned that to anyone. Not sober, anyway. <laughs> I did shout it out in Copenhagen when I was pick up that, trying to pick up that massive stone. <laughs> it didn't work. I still couldn't pick it up. <laughs> so that's us. That's yeah, our two-month yeah. update. Looking forward as the weather well, hasn't turned yet. It's a lovely sunny day outside. But it is slightly cooler in the mornings. We'll be staying in more. Oh, we're, oh. we're going away to the middle of nowhere, aren't we? You're off to the Malverns. The Malverns. Rachel and I have got a, a cottage literally in the middle of nowhere because she's got a lot on her work. She needs some time away, so we're going away. And Shawnee and Nat, I think, are going to come up and see us. Yeah, we're going to try our very best, and it'll be fun. So we might get some games played. Then, I'm looking forward to it. Woot, woot. Going for a ride on the uh, on the Thames in a boat tomorrow. Have you worn the boat? Self piloted. <laughs> not a good look. It's not a good look. Good luck, the Thames. So I'm looking forward to that too. Anything exciting going on? Absolutely nothing. I have booked to go to Ireland for Christmas, but. Uh, <sighs> Is that going to happen? Possibly not. Yeah, my mum banned us from the city. It's 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 all up in the air at the moment. Ireland are quarantining everybody from Britain, apart from Northern Ireland for for two weeks. So none yeah. of that business goes. That's where there's extra money as well. Not yeah. going to see mum. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. Lovely. Right. We'll let the people go. Indeed, and I will try and remember all this. It's been a while. Uh, so thank you very much, uh, Ronan. Thank you, Sean. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And. As always, we are proud members of the Dice Tower Network. Go there and to the Dice Tower itself for gaming goodness galore. If you wish to catch us on social media, we have a Facebook page, we are on Instagram, and we are also very heavily on Twitter at Game Pit Podcast. If you wish to download the episodes, then go to the downloading agent of your choice, but we are on Podbean, Stitcher, iTunes, and Spotify. If you wish to contact us, and we really do encourage people to do so, we love getting questions from people, and yeah, we might even feature them on the show, then email us at thegamepitpodcast at gmail.com. 
Uh, also, another place to catch us is on our Board Game Geek Guild. Just fire us a message there and we will respond as quickly as we can. Um, if you do like what you hear, it really helps if you could rate us on iTunes Stroke Apple yeah, Podcast. Yeah, chill. I refuse right. to part this. You do whatever you want to do. Every podcast asks people to do yeah, it. I refuse to. You know what? We've it. never asked. So I'm asking, fire us a rating. You'll find my one from when we first started. <laughs> Sean and Ronan are brilliant. It's like they're related. (laughs) Yeah, thank you very much for listening and we'll catch you next time. Music by E. Aaron. Practice for